Hey, welcome to our Public Church podcast. We hope this message blesses you today. For more information on Public Church, please see us on www.public.church. Well, I want to continue around. We've been teaching and preaching around um, around the Holy Spirit. And um, we touched on Acts Last week, we talked about the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit upon salvation. Then we talked about the empowerment, the baptism, the infusion, the, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us when in Acts 1.8, when the 120 were waiting in the upper room, um, just as Jesus left, he said he had to go so that the helper could come, the counsellor, which Renee was talking about um, there before. But I want us to continue on. Um, our teaching this afternoon around the Holy Spirit. And um, I want us to have a look here. I'm not going to put it on the screen. If you've got, I'd love for you to take notes, if at all possible, if you've got your iPhones or notepads or your cheaper Android devices. Um, sorry to all our Android lovers here. But if you're taking notes this afternoon, which I, I really want to recommend, let's turn to Acts chapter 1. And I want us to have a look at Acts chapter 1, verse 5, okay? So let's read on. For John baptized with water, which we spoke about last week, but not many days from now, you shall be baptized with and placed in and introduced to the Holy Spirit. Now, I want us to have a look at this next verse very clearly. So when they assembled, this is the disciples, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will reestablish the kingdom and restore it to Israel? becoming acquainted with and appoint and, and know what this time brings. Then it goes on and where Jesus goes on and says, no, hang on a sec, you'll be receiving power, ability, efficiency and might when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the very most ends of the earth. Let, let's have a bit of a look here because we see that Jesus had... Um, died and he was the stone was rolled away and he came back and he visited some of the disciples and they all freaked out Thomas put his finger in the holes of Jesus hands and then Jesus is about to set up where he's about to say I actually have to go so that the helper can come the Holy Spirit but at this point the disciples were a little bit perplexed as to what was unfolding and what was actually going on some of the disciples, they, they rushed up and they, they, they arrested his attention. They said, but Jesus, is this the time now where you're going to reestablish the previous history of what Israel was, where some theologians would say, is it where we're going to set up, where we're going to overthrow the whole governance structure, where the Roman Empire had been governing and the Jews were, I guess, under the governance of the Roman Empire? Was this going to be an uprising? Was this going to be a turning around of the government? If you are going to be the king of the Jews, are we now going to reign and rule in a political structure, in a governance structure? Other theologians might suggest that there was an openness to the disciples where they were legitimately inquiring is, could this actually go right back to the time of the kings where we had David and Solomon, where we, we reigned and ruled and we were being prosperous and we were being blessed under the, under the hand of God as he would appointed kings to rule and reign over, the, over Israel. There was a lot of questioning that was going on and, and I can't help but think that so much so that we think in natural terms like this also. We look at previous history of maybe our church experiences. 
We look at some of our um, pre-existing family knowledge about what, um, what, what our families can achieve because I guess if we look down the genealogy of our family, you know, some are doctors, does that mean they're going to have more doctors as children? Or if there's business type people, does that mean they're going to have kids that are business type people? Therefore, is that going to limit me? Am I going to be able to be a businessman? Or maybe you're from a blue-collar working type family background where they've been, you've been working in a certain industry or maybe a certain trade. And, and it's not so much around the employment sector or the opportunities that, that might be for us. I guess what I want to try and say this afternoon is, is that we have a propensity as human beings to sort of look back as a reference point or a compass of what God has previously done before. But Jesus was saying, hey, you know, it's not the time or the place for me to talk about that right now, but what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's actually going to come and He's going to baptize you with ability, efficiency and might. And you think in proximity of a geographical reason like Samaria, we're talking about here, this is where they're, they're talking about, where it says here, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, sorry, and to the outermost parts of the earth. So let me just set this up. We think in proximity of a place or a time or what we've already seen before, where Jesus was saying, hey, we're not just going to have the kingdom of God explode just here in Jerusalem. We're not just going to see the kingdom of God just explode here in Judea. We're not just going to see it in Samaria, but we're actually going to see the kingdom of God explode through the filling of the Holy Spirit to the outermost parts of the earth. See, we want to think in limitations. We want to think in what we see. We want to think and see things about what we can just imagine within our own humanity and our own self by what we've previously seen before. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and He fills you, He begins to lift your thinking. He begins to explode what has previously been the normal, the ceiling. He wants to explode that off to a point where all of a sudden now we're filled with the Holy Spirit and he wants to say, hey, you're not just going to have an influence here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but I actually want to take you to the outermost parts of the earth. Let's put that lens, let's put that filter on the way we parent, on the way we are in our marriages, husbands and wives. Let's put that limit, let's put that lens, that filter, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's no limiting of imagination. We're thrown off. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we've got endless possibilities. Now we've got the Holy Spirit's power on the inside of us. We are the only ones that can limit what God wants to do through our lives. Turn the person next to you and say, Uh-huh, are you getting this this afternoon? Let me prove this to you. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Let's say that again. This is the Good News translation. Be careful. Proverbs 4, verse 23. This other um, translation say, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. But I love this version. It says, be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. So here we have the disciples. They have a preconceived idea about what Jesus is about to do. Maybe he's going to overthrow the government. 
Maybe it's going to restore the order back into the whole monarchy, the kingshipness. But then he's saying, hey, guys, you've got your thinking all wrong. The Holy Spirit's about to come upon you and you're about to be my witnesses and you're about to transform the earth. You're about to transform the world as we see it today. You know, taking on um, Youth Alive here in Queensland just 10 years ago, it seems like it was yesterday. Youth Alive was known for its large evangelistical events. And we felt the Holy Spirit talk to Renee and I and our Youth Alive leadership team that we love the outreach and the evangelistic events. But what we saw is that as, as time was going on, and as YouTube and social media and the internet begin to explode, the, the, the sort of love for certain styles of Christian music was sort of waning. And we saw that in order to build Youth Alive, we felt like we had to turn Youth Alive inside out in such a way that we had to get bigger bands, Christian bands. We had to get bigger speakers. And we had to, get, um, we had to have better marketing and here we are building the kingdom of God and we were feeling this pressure, not just here in Queensland, but right across the country because this is a ministry that was functioning at that point in time for 20 years strong and it was going strong by getting big name guests, big name artists. But what we found was happening is that we weren't making disciples. We're seeing young people come down the front at Christian events, but we weren't strengthening the back end of local churches to help them better reach young people. So God began to speak to Renee and I um, about re-engineering the way this ministry called Youth Alive works. And rather than have one big event a year, we want you to open up a, a regional approach to the way we're going about doing evangelism. On top of that, we want you to add a training, youth pastors training school. And on top of that, we actually want you to add in a conference that empowers young people so that they can win their friends to Jesus at a personal evangelistic level. So we don't just have to sit back and rely on... DC Talk to come to town. Who remembers DC Talk? Who remembers Tommy Emanuel? Who went to a Tommy Emanuel Youth Alive event? There we go. I've just seen all the over 45ers right there in the building. But the pressure to get these big name artists, it was getting ridiculous. And Renee and I, we decided, you know what? We're going to stop the trend here and we're going to redivert the way God, you're wanting to do things because it's now you're wanting to do something. Everything within Renee and I wanted to revert back by what we'd seen before that had worked historically. But it's like you just put on a band, you just put out the invites and young people come out everywhere. We saw for four years straight, the number of young people that were coming, the numbers were dropping and the amount of kids that were being reached and were being saved was not as high as what it had been done before. So we add these new ingredients, not overnight, but implement them over a couple of years, a sh couple of short years. And before you know it, we, our last event that we had at the River Stage had 4,500 young people and about 500 young people got, uh, gave a response to the Lord Jesus, which is absolutely unbelievable. In Queensland alone this year, we saw almost 10,000 young people go to 21 regional events right from the bottom of the Gold Coast here, right up to the very top of Cairns. And we saw almost over 1,000 young people give their lives to Jesus on one night. So 
the new strategy that God wanted to implement was because, you know what, we're not just going to look at what you've done in the past, God. We're not going to be limited by what we've seen before. We're not going to be hamstrung and restricted. God wants to show you things in your life right now. God wants to show you things in your future right now that you haven't begun to even conceive or begin to dream yet. The Holy Spirit wants to breathe in and through your life so that you can begin to dream and imagine about things that haven't yet been done before. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can do it. You know, Lorenzo, sorry, mate, I don't want to embarrass you, but I just, (laughs) you thought you could sneak in and sit at the back and just hide. I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And you've been on a journey of God revealing His plan and His full purpose for your life. And there's a, there's a part of you that wants to go with the tried and proven and the safe and known. Things that maybe, you, you know, you, I guess you can, you can see outcomes if you do A, B, C and D. But I just see, Lorenzo, the Holy Spirit stirring you to take great risk. The Holy Spirit's stirring you to rethink the future that He has for you. The Holy Spirit's stirring you to not put Him in a box about how He can move and work through you for the kingdom's sake. God's put you and live on this planet to build His kingdom and to fulfill His purposes here on the planet. And I feel that so strongly for you both. But I really see that, it, that the Holy Spirit's really awakening something in you, Lorenzo, in that regard. Turn the person next to you and say, I love you. Let's keep moving on. So the Holy Spirit, He wants to lift our vision from what we've seen before. He wants to lift our vision to see what He can do in and through us. The second point is the Holy Spirit wants to connect our hearts and He wants to unite us around His purposes. Acts chapter 1 verse 14 says, with their minds in full agreement. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, they were in one accord at one place at one time. Acts chapter 2 verse 44 says, they were united together and had everything in common. Acts chapter 2 verse 46, they regularly assembled in the temple and they were united with purpose. And in Acts chapter 4 goes on and says, the company of believers was of one heart and one soul. Let me just, let me just have permission just to speak freely. I really believe that there is no accident that God has called us together for such a time as this. I I, I don't believe that he's called public church just to be another church on the Gold Coast. And when I say that, I'm not demeaning what other churches are doing. But I really strongly feel in my heart that God's doing a new thing in breathing upon us that we would really grab a hold of the fact that we are not just here to see what the church can do for us. But we're the ones that God is bringing together to dare to believe, to have the courage to believe. What could God do with a group of people that are fully surrendered to His purposes, to His plans, and are not holding anything back that God would unite our hearts together to do something significant for His namesake here in the Gold Coast? I've said it before and I'll say it again. There would not be more than 15,000 people in church this weekend in a charismatic Pentecostal church, if people know what those words mean. There wouldn't be more than 15,000 in a city of almost 600,000. 
We've been going for just over 12, 14, 15 months or so so on and God's pulled together a whole heap of people from so many different diverse backgrounds from different um, denominations from different churches experiences the Holy Spirit's been breathing life back into some of us to begin to believe again for what he could want to do I believe now is the time for us as a church to continue to dream this is not Renee's and my dream this is, not, this is not about what we can do as leaders here. I believe that the Holy Spirit has birthed inside each and every one of you a dream. And as we come together and as we're in sync with what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do, that our hearts would be like in the book of Acts where we'd be in one mind, we'd be in one accord. That we'd be united not just by the fact that we've all got things in common common interests around our hobbies and different things but the thing that we have in common is the fact that we're sold out to the purposes of God and we're surrendering our hearts and our will to whatever the Holy Spirit would have us do I think right there and then that is dangerous that's a dangerous group of people that's a group of people that don't want to just do church like it's been done before that's a group of people who are saying, you know what, I'm ready to change the game. That's a group of people who are ready to say, you know what, we're going to take some risk. We're going to step out in faith. We're not going to play it safe. In Acts, the early church, they weren't just playing it safe. They were stepping out in great faith and they were believing for the Holy Spirit to move through them. These guys weren't the most gifted, weren't the most talented, but they were the most available and they were the most obedient. So we see here that when there's unity, there's actually a magic ingredient, not magic as such, but there's a, a recipe for an accelerant of God's work here on the earth. He's given it to us in Scripture. It's a key that some of us sort of gloss over, but it happens in business. It happens in a marriage. It happens in parenting. It happens in churches. There's an ingredient that God has given us, a recipe that when we put this thing in play, there's an acceleration of God's hand moving on something. Psalm 33 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head. Then it runs down on the beard, even such as the beard of Aaron, the first high priest, and then it comes down onto the collar, and then it ends up going down onto the, to the hems or the skirts of the garments. It is like the dew of a lofty mountain, the dew that is common that comes on the hills of Zion. For listen to this, for there the Lord has commanded his blessing. There's an accelerant of the blessing of God when people's hearts are together in unity. You say, well, what's unity? You know, we've got people here that love the AFL, but we've also got people here that love the NRL. We've got people who love the soccer. Well, we're not in unity around that. Like, which code are we as a church? Well, I'm going to, as the lead pastor, I'm going to let you know it's AFL. No, no, no. Just... <laughs> what, what is it that we're supposed to unite around? What is it? Is it that we, oh, we like the senior pastor. We like the lead pastors. They're nice people. They've been kind to me. They talk to me and they shake my hand on a Sunday. Is, is that what we're going to get united around? Is that what's going to command the blessing? 
Is it, oh, hang on, we love the worship style. Oh, we love when Joey flicks his hair. (laughs) Is it the worship style? Well, what are we united around? Is it the way we teach and preach? Is it around the fact that we're a church that's open to the Holy Spirit's leading? Well, what is the thing? See, I believe the ingredient at the core of what unity is, it's a commitment. So, ooh, that's a big word. Some people cringe commitment. But let's have a look at this. Renee and I have some very differing opinions at times. More often than not, my opinions are right. You know, there's an Eminem song about volcanoes and hurricanes and with that Eminem sings with Rihanna. That's Renee and I. We love each other so desperately and we just, but then we can, we can, there can be some sparks that can fly from time to time. I'm a lot more patient and self-controlled, but Renee really lets go. No, no, no. But we've got such differing opinions at times, yet how is it that we're so united? It's because I'm committed to Renee. She can have a difference of opinion, but I'm committed to her. And I can agree to disagree on certain things, but there's a commitment there. I've made a commitment that she's my one and only. I've made a commitment 20 years ago that, that I'm going to be there for sickness and I'm going to be there even when you're wrong. See, we need to, as a church, understand that the blessing comes like in Psalm 133. There's a commanded blessing. There's an accelerant. There's an expediation of God's hand on things when we're together, where we commit together. I would say what this church is committed to is to reach the people of the Gold Coast. If there's one thing that we're unswerving about, We are not a church that's all about ours. If you want to go on the website and have a look at our, uh, we didn't call it a vision statement. We called it a public statement. We didn't want to just do the cliche vision statement. We sat down and we poured over this thing and there's verbiage and wordage in it like we love messy people. Well, that's why you're all here. That's why Renee and I are here. We love messy people. There's different things within it. One of the ones that I love the most is we are captivated By his heart, that's capital H, we are captivated by his heart for our city and the idea that this church is not about us, but it's all about him. If we just made a commitment to that one value right there, it's frightening. All of a sudden, our decisions and we unite around that. All of a sudden, when we go into Pimpamar High School, We're going in with a commanded blessing because we as a church, well, you know what? We've got some very skilled youth leaders, but imagine having the hand of God accelerating the work of God in that school because you know what? We are absolutely unswerving with the fact, you know what? We are captivated by his heart for our city. We're captivated by the northern suburbs. We're captivated by every high school. We're captivated by the fact that every single young people needs to know about the love and the hope of Jesus. Well, if we make a commitment just to that one thing right there, well, let's take that one step further. Well, what about we? I've been believing in my heart that we would reach the people of our closest university, Griffith University, that has for decades struggled to have a very significant Christian presence there. I'm really believing in my heart that we are 
captivated by God's heart for this city and the university students here on the Gold Coast. We are captivated and we are con convinced and we are committed in our hearts to the fact that doesn't mean that every single one of us gets up and every Tuesday or O week next year, we all go down there and mob the place. But it means that we are in agreement. We're united in the fact that, you know what? We might not be able to physically go down there, but our hearts, our prayers, our finance, our resource, our full weight is behind that team of people that are feeling on their heart to go down there. We could put that filter on every facet and every area of the Gold Coast. And I believe that people, you are here because you've been drawn into the fact that God's wanting to do something significant. God's wanting to do something special. I believe that God wants to accelerate it as, we, as our hearts continue to entwine and we make a commitment to one another. So there we go. Let's unite around the future, not around the past. Let's unite around, around our destinies, where we're going, not our history. Let's unite around principles. Let's not unite around preferences. I could go into all of these for 20 minutes, but I won't. Let's unite around relationships, not roles. Your value in this church will not go up because you work the hardest. But you know what? We love the fact and we honor the value of hard work. Hard work is a true value of our church but you're not going to get props or work your way up the food chain because you're the hardest person or you give gifts to Renee or I or anything like that. We don't, we, this is the thing, is that we want to, our job, Renee's and mine, as your lead pastors, is to unlock the purpose of God in each and every one of your heart. To equip the saints, to equip you, God's people, to fulfill the mandate of the kingdom of God and the working of the ministry out there, not just here with us, because one of those key five areas, if you want to look at, there's an apostolic gift, ministry gift, there's a, an evangelistic gift, that there's a prophetic gift, there's a pastoral gift, and what's the other one, babe? I've forgotten the last one. Teaching, I think I've said that, those five main gifts when they're all in full operation that's when the kingdom of God flies and so we want to see all those five gifts fully functioning and at work and our job is to unearth them and to release those gifts into the body of Christ give me a wave if everyone's okay with how I'm going this afternoon everyone's resonating with this oh hey Patty good to see you mate all the way down from Cairns so let's go on to our last point if I could get, um, I was going to say Joey up on the keys. Was it Brad on the keys today? Brad, do you want to come up and play some Holy Spirit keys for me there, buddy? Holy Spirit can't move unless there's a keyboard playing. <laughs> Point number three. The Holy Spirit can't move unless Brad's playing the key. No, just Joe. Point number three. The Holy Spirit graces us for the task. Now, let's have a look here. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10 says, But by the grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God, I am what I am. This is the Apostle Paul talking. And his grace towards me was not found to be for nothing, fruitless 
and without effect. In fact, listen to this. I love this. This is the Apostle Paul. He goes, I work. I worked harder than all of the other apostles. Though it was not really I, but it was the grace and the unmerited favour and the blessing of God which was with me. What happens is, we can go, oh, it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God. But there go I, but for the grace of God. The grace, the grace, the grace. Apostle Paul here, he's saying, I flip and work harder than any other apostle because I understand I've got this grace. I've got these gifts. I've got this anointing. The anointing is a supernatural empowerment or endowment of the Spirit of God at work. I've been given this grace I'm a messenger. I've been set apart. I've been chosen for such a time as this. But hang on. He's saying he works harder. So he's working harder, but he's saying he's he's been graced. Well, shouldn't he just sit back and just function in his grace and just breathe in the Holy Spirit for 24-7 and allow him to work? No. See, did the Apostle Paul, did he work his backside off harder than everyone else? Because he was the one who was out there killing these Christians. So maybe he was working hard and functioning out a sense of guilt. Well, maybe I've got a, uh, this guilt's driving me and I was a bad person. Now I'm a good person. You saved me, Jesus. All I can do now is, is just work hard for you. So I don't know. I just don't think that, that he was governed or controlled or, or functioning out of that place of guilt. Well, maybe, maybe it was like, well, I, I, don't, I can't understand this. I, I, I guess maybe it's a repayment. Well, I, I've got to pay you back, Jesus. You forgave me and I was killing Christians. And, 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 and well, maybe... I just got to work hard and just and pay you back as a repayment to try to work and earn because you've done such a great thing for me. You chose me and I, I'm unacceptable. And yet, see, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that that is a place where Paul operated or functioned out of either. It says very clear here in 1 Corinthians 15, it's God's grace that was driving him. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I, I love functioning and working hard, building the kingdom of God. I'm not, I, at times I've tried to run away from being a pastor. It's like, I don't know, God, choose someone else. I, I want to, I'd love to just go and sit at Byron Bay, chew some straw and just chillax. But there's this, there's this thing on the inside of me where God's gifted and graced me and He's opened up my eyes to His love and His salvation. Then He started to fashion and mould me and reshape my character and, and, and I'm not the person that I was. Now what drives me is not a sense of guilt. I've got to work hard because I was a crazy sinner. 
not because I need a, a repayment, because I, I grasp the concept of the grace of God and it's unearned and it's unmerited. And I, I couldn't definitely work the rest of my hundred years or whatever I've got left to try and win it back because, man, I just wasn't a good person. So it's not a repayment system, but it is the thing that drives me. And I believe the thing that drives the Apostle Paul and the thing that should drive the heartbeat of our church, his church, is the fact that we're going to do everything we can because we have this beautiful grace. And the more I can outwork that grace, then the more people can be reached. The more I live for myself and the more I live for what, what, what I can get out of life, I'm not in a full alignment. But when I'm in full alignment like the Apostle Paul, he's working hard. He's not having a burnout because he's doing it for the wrong reasons or the wrong motives. I could go on and just tell you, that this, listen to some of the things he had to endure. And then I'm going to close and we're going to pray. 2 Corinthians 11 goes on in, in verse 23 to 27. He goes on and he says, I've been beaten countless times and frequently close to the point of death. Five times I've received um, from the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, but one. Why doesn't he just round it up? Most people round up. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That wasn't out at Nimbin. But um, three times I have been aboard a ship and it was shipwrecked at sea. And the whole night and a whole day I was spent, I spent adrift in the deep. Many times on journeys, I was exposed to perils from rivers, perils from bandits, perils from my own nation, perils from the Gentiles, perils from the city, perils in the desert places, perils in the sea, perils from those posing as other believers. And then in toil and hardship, I was often watching through sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, frequently driven to fasting by want, in cold and exposure and lack of clothing and besides those things that are without, there is the daily inescapable pressure of my care and anxiety for all of the churches that are overseas. And this is the same man with all of those efforts, those outworkings, those perils, a peril here, a peril there, there a peril everywhere, a peril, peril with all of that that was going on, then the load of the anxiety of how are the other churches going? Are they going to last? Are they? He kept flicking back into grace zone. He kept flicking back into grace zone. He kept flicking back into grace zone. Renee and I don't feel the pressure to build God's church. That's His responsibility. But we will toil and we will work hard. And we've got a proven track record of 20 years of doing that. I know that God is bringing people together that aren't going to function or operate because they've got gifts or talents, but they're going to function 